Welcome to the Great Lakes Golf Podcast for the week of August 22nd, the final week on the PGA Tour. Alongside Hunter Pulaski, I am Peter Garber. I am in Chicago. Hunter is in Petoskey. We are presented by Reed Furniture in downtown Petoskey. Whatever your furniture need, it's Reed indeed in this week's episode. A full recap of the U.S. Amateur that took place over the weekend, as well as the BMW Championship on the PGA Tour. We are down to just 30 players for the Tour Championship at Eastlake this week. Also get you an update from the Corn Ferry Tour Finals, tell you who clinched a card this week, who's in good position to clinch a card, uh, and tell you about the next event coming up this weekend. Um, and then we'll touch on the women's senior game championship coming to Petoskey Bayview country club. We'll highlight some of the notables in the field there and talk about what the ladies can expect from the golf course. Plus a full preview for the tour championship at East Lake. But first more changes on the PGA tour. Jay Monahan released a letter this morning. It looks like he is, in a press conference this morning, thank you if you're listening to us on radio Wednesday nights at 7, 1047 FM, 1340 AM, the ticket in Petoskey and Charlevoix, 93.7 FM, the ticket in Cadillac and Traverse City. Hunter, would you mind detailing for us some of the changes? These changes appear to be as significant as some of the others that have developed over the past couple months, of course, this on account of the new rival live tour. But if you would, just from the top, take us through some of the notable changes in Monahan's letter this morning. Yeah. So there, there is a, there is a ton to unpack here. Um, and it's just kind of all coming out here in the last 30 minutes or so. Um, so some of the, some of the biggest things that I'm seeing is guaranteed, guaranteed money at the beginning of the season. I think that is that is far and away the uh, there's a couple of big things this this is one of the the biggest changes is that um, every single exempt member is guaranteed five hundred thousand dollars to to start the season you are and this is this is for 2023 both both yeah. tours or just the big tour I am seeing in this tweet, it says earning assurance program where full exempt corn ferry members and above are guaranteed 500,000 mm-hmm. beginning in 2023 is how I'm reading it. And then I have a tweet from, from no laying up. That's my understanding as well, which is okay. more significant than if it were just the P the guys with PGA cards, because 500 grand is a lot to a corn ferry tour member. If you look at the money list, 500 grand is maybe not as much. I know this is, this is a ton of money, but not as much to a PGA tour member, just based on how the earnings shake out over the course of a season. But yeah. to a corn ferry tour member, 500 grand is, is very significant. I mean, we're talking about winning purse, some of the winning purses in the, in the low to mid one hundreds type range. So that gives you some perspective on what 500 grand and guaranteed earnings means to uh corn ferry tour members certainly makes that tour much more about advancing to the PJ tour and much less about uh, the finances. 
Exactly. So here, here's the exact language. It is including court very uh, beginning 2023. We'll, we will debut the earnings assurance program where all fully exempt members, corn ferry tour category and above are guaranteed a $500,000 league minimum. At the end of the season, the program will fund any gap between the actual compensation earnings and the $500,000 minimum for each fully exempt member who participates in at least 15 events. Rookies and other players earning their way back onto the PGA tour will have the option to receive the upfront payment so i mean pretty pretty uh pretty substantial news just yeah so basically what it says is you're not giving they're not giving you 500 grand but you can't make less than 500 correct they are assuring you of making at least five hundred thousand dollars so you know my take on this was these guys who just got their tour cards last week in Boise at the Albertsons Boise open on the corn Ferry tour just this morning, found out they will make no less than 500 grand next, next year, which has to be, which has to be such a good feeling just from uh, somebody that I mean, people that have, I'm sure they've, they've grinded for years and, and you always have that, that feeling in the back of your mind, like, am I going to be able to pay for, Right. Two weeks no, down the road, three no. weeks down the road. And now that is that is taken care of, which is awesome. And even more so for the think of the players who didn't make it through, who are just looking at a corn fairy tour season next year, thinking, oh, well, at least I know I can't lose. I can't lose money next year or whatever. Yeah. All right. On to the, there's a lot more to get to. So yeah. what else? Uh, another one I think is really important is the non-exempt members, 126 to 150 category and below will have access to a new travel stipend program, which provides $5,000 for every missed cut to assist with travel costs and other non-related tour expenses. So they're, they're starting to help with, with travel, which I think is awesome. That I think that was, I think <laughs> long overdue is really what I think it comes down to. And it's only, and like it's, it's only going to, I think Jay Monahan put a number on this. He, uh, I was watching a little bit of the press conference for that 500,000 minimum. He's expecting the tour to essentially that to cost them somewhere in like the two to $3 million range. So nothing, not, not an obscene amount of money that he feels like a lot of these guys are going to make this back. Yeah. I think, I think the majority of players will exceed that amount of money and earnings certainly on the PGA tour, but it is, it will be critical for the, that group of players who collect that two to 3 million in order that they can pay their bills. Yep. Uh, another big one, the player impact program, the, the PIP will now reward 20 players rather than 10 and it will double from $50 million to a hundred million dollars. This is effective with this year's standings. So uh, this is, I mean, happening, happening, uh, right away. So we will, we so will almost see. retroactively to what players have done in the PIP program over the course of this season, they're actually going to reward 20 instead of 10. Correct. And they are adjusting the criteria to better capture awareness from casual and core fans, removing the Q score, which I believe was something to do with the, um, online searches and social media metrics for 2023. Those from the PIP standings are the top players who are making the commitment to a 20-event tour schedule. As noted above, the top player criteria for 2024 and beyond will be determined at a later date. So I think it's becoming a lot less how popular you are 
online and I think it's becoming more how good of a golfer you are is how I read that. For 2023, those from the PIP standings are the top players who will be making a commitment to a 20-event PGA Tour schedule, as noted above. And so that what they're re- referencing there is, in addition to the another point from this letter, is in addition to the eight elevated events, elevated events we announced in June, we will elevate another four within the 2023 FedEx Cup regular season. We anticipate identifying which tournaments those will be in the next 45 days or so, and they will feature an average purse of $20 million. So they're expanding what they announced earlier in terms of a – it's not a like a WGC schedule because it's not new events, but they're taking existing events that we all think of as big events, probably, you know, like Memorial and API are going to be in this probably – um, the players certainly where so I think, there will I think be I have bigger the... events within the season in which these quote end quote top players identified as the top 20 in the pip are essentially required to play I guess is how I would say that right uh, that's how I'm taking it too yeah. or have agreed to play in it that's what this this today I think is Partly, obviously, this was in the works, but it was influenced in part by the players' meeting that they had, where Tiger and 22 guys or whatever it was sat down and sort of agreed that got, you know, unanimous support for this expanded, elevated schedule, if you will. Yes. So, and and just to, and they listed the 12, the 12 events, the 12 elevated events are as followed. The, the Century Tournament of Champions, which is now anybody that makes the Tour Championship plus anybody that wins an event in the previous year. The Genesis Invitational, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, the Memorial Tournament uh, at Jack's Place, the WGC Dell Match Play, the FedEx St. Jude Championship and the BMW Tour Championship, and then four more events that will be determined, like Pierce, I think, in the next 45 days is what I said. Was that eight? Four. Yeah, I think so. Okay. And then, obviously, the and then the – so for the first time ever, as a collective, top players are making commitment to participate in those 12 elevated events, the eight I just listed plus four more, plus three additional FedEx events of their choosing. The Players, Masters, PJ Championship, US Open, and the Open Championship – Plus those those twelve new events to get to their their total of twenty is what I'm is how I'm reading that. So they're really making a commitment to play in twenty events at these marquee events. So the the casual fan the which is are given twenty events where the top players are playing, which I guess has kind of always been the case, hasn't it? Just now it's being it's actually. It's in writing. Yeah, they there certainly seem to be. I don't know how in the end how different this makes anything, but the goal here on the part of the players is to get more of them at the same events. Correct. And it's true that the tour has gotten to a place where 
players are comfortable with their own schedule and there's not necessarily a ton of overlap because they're playing events based on how that event suits their skill set slash how it fits in with their schedule otherwise. And of course, personal commitments and things of that nature are different, you know, very player to player. So the goal here is to get everybody at API, everybody at Memorial, um, which, and it's true to say that we haven't had that. So in that, that's certainly what they're shooting for. Um, I think you can, I think there isn't an argument to be made about just how important that is to people. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but as long as you have a few good players in the field, I I don't know that you need all 20, but certainly it, you know, it, it makes it better in the, in the, if you agree that more of the top players in an event is what people want to watch and will what, and what will lead to more success for the PGA tour as well as a more player friendly business model, then they've certainly takes taken steps in those two directions. It sure seems that way. I mean, I'm pretty, uh, I mean, I, I think I've, I've already said it. Like this is, this is long over long overdue. I feel like we'd be we'd be remiss not just like why is this happening? Yeah, well, I think yeah, I, I know that you had a. I feel like it just it it's it is worth mentioning. Like it's this would not have happened without the lift tour. As sad as it is to to say, and as much as you might think it's it's hurting the game, did they do this at the right time where they only lose seven more guys that aren't huge name? I don't think I think the state of golf is still in a really good spot if we only lose a few more guys to live because they're going to end up making not going to make live money, but they're going to make a good chunk of change on the PJ tour now. Well, I think one of the questions we should be asking, does this save anyone? Obviously it's been rumored. There's this Australian contingent that's ready to go, ready to take the leap. Mm Mm-hmm. Do we feel that these changes save somebody like, say, a Cameron Smith, or if Adam Scott is is I, one of those players? Or he was in that meeting. Cameron Smith was not in that meeting. What stock do we put in that, if any, and to what degree? Save. I don't know. What do you think about that? Uh, I think it. I think it potentially could. If you just look at the at the just the straight dollar figures, the only thing I'm a little confused about is I did hear Jay Monahan say that those events, those elevated events, would still be cut events. So it'd still be 120 person fields, full fields. So I, I just don't know. My my dumb brain can't calculate how much what twenty what the 20 million dollar purse breakdown is for for a 70 person cut, a 70 person of field at the end of the day. So I, I can't. T- I obviously it's a it's a large increase. Uh, like what would that be? One and a half times about one and a half times of what they were currently at. The question we have to ask ourselves is: based on these changes, does it save anyone from leaving for live? Because we've heard there's this Australian contingent. Obviously, there are those Cam Percy comments in the media on Australian radio. 
Cam Smith had to answer questions about that at the St. Jude. And then, of course, he didn't play in the BMW. Adam Scott may be part of that contingent. I think that's interesting because he was one of those 20-some players who was in that players-only meeting. But are these changes significant enough to save somebody like a Cam Smith or a Hideki? Um, I really I really don't know. I, I think... I think it, it potentially could, but I don't think the purses are increasing. If, it, and I don't think they're, I don't think he's they're money hungry by any means. I don't think Cam Smith is, but I still don't think. So I was, I just looked up the purses, like like the, the players' championship purse was already twenty million dollars last year. Is that correct? I yeah, should, that was what the biggest purse I think ever in, on the PGA Tour. And it looks like Genesis Invitational was like twelve million. So what I would, my, my dumb brain cannot calculate what twenty million dollars payout is for seventy players. Like I just can't. And then because Jay Monahan did say in his presser that these elevate events that were that were currently no cut events are going to stay that way. They're gonna they're going to be full field events with a cut. So I, I just I just don't know what the obviously they're gonna make just using Cam Smith's win from last year which I think was 3.6 million for the players that's that's significant I mean that's not that's not a ton less than what the live tour is making what are we looking at for live purses right now remind me 25 plus so 25 plus 5 for the team I think so you can I want to say these winners are walking away with like 5 point something I think we're getting close we are and I think we're not... getting to where these players now might think twice. Plus, didn't Liv recently announce that those guys are going to play in about 20 events too, which is how many of the BGA Tour is asking? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all over. 21, I think it was. 18 or 21, something like that. So I, th- I think it's making the – and they're traveling all over. I know that players have long complained of certain portions of the PGA Tour schedule in terms of the travel arrangements, but – it's hard to argue the other reasons now for joining live, you know, like I don't, the, the, it's becoming less clear the money you're still getting a huge signing bonus. So that's really the difference there is that that's basically what you're leaving for. I think at this point, cause it's hard to argue that that's a better tour or obviously the grow the game arguments have kind of fallen on deaf ears. So I just, it's harder to make the argument for why you're leaving being any of the other it's more player friendly blah 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 like i i get it they're still ahead of where the pga tour is after the announcements from today but like you're just taking the signing bonus basically right now yeah that was which something we didn't talk about that that came out in that court case um that became public information was that three months ago when Liv was doing their first event they Somebody asked, the reporter asked, it was like DJ, Pat Perez, and so I remember this, and they asked them, is what year signing bonus, is that going against your your tournament pay? And uh, a live spokesperson like stopped them from answering and was like, no, you are, they're 100% getting paid whatever they've, they've won in the tournament on top of their signing bonus. And then I swear in that court case, the lawyer for Liv said that they were getting it was being paid against the signing bonus. So I still don't know what's happening there. That hasn't been talked about enough. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think probably more of those kinds of things are going to come out. And I, I worry about that too, because part of their agreements, you know, and I haven't taken the time to go in and read those live agreements, but I've seen the chatter on, on Twitter and, you know, the, the attorneys who have said, you know, these agreements are much more demanding of the players than maybe we thought at, at they were at first glance. So maybe some of those revelations and then the improvements of the PGA tour are coming to something of a convergence to maybe we can, to, to maybe where we can save a couple of these players that I would, I would love for Hideki and Cam Smith to stay on the PGA tour. I just, I just would. Yeah. Especially. So two points. I actually, I know we're, I do think if they go to all these remote places that they're planning on going to, I do think you are growing the game from an international standpoint. I mean, these, these people that they're, there's places they're going, they would never see a Dustin Johnson or a Cam Smith in person ever on the PGA tour. So in that way, I do see what they're saying. I don't, I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of a BS response, but I do think there are people that are going to see the game and see these top players that, that never and will never have the chance to see them outside of the the Asian swing, the Asia swing, and and if they live on live in the United States, yeah, yeah. Um, well, that could, yeah, that could be. I don't mean to say. I just think that they really belabored the grow the game thing to the point where it was like, okay, this is just kind of like your cover for everything. Yeah. No, it it, it felt like it became it became that, and then I don't remember what my other point was. I had two. But you're only gonna get one. Well, I think it's, I think, I think, I mean, at first glance, this is good news for the PGA Tour. I think this makes them stronger. And I think, you know, if you take kind of a macro perspective on this, I think they've been able to move pretty quickly. It may seem like people think that they're moving slowly, but to have gotten all this done inside of this season while the players are competing and they're putting out a FedEx Cup and, playoffs and you know everything else is going on i think you know ultimately they've done well i was critical of jay monahan for kind of dragging his feet early on which i I still think he did and didn't take it seriously enough but they've rallied a bit here and i think these this is more good news for fans of the pga tour this morning i agree 100 percent. i'm i'm glad it's happening um i wish it wouldn't have had to get to this point where because i would still like to watch i still like to watch dustin johnson play golf and i really hope we still get to watch cam smith play golf because i think this this 20 for as much as as you don't you don't like marquee events this 20 this 20 event guarantee thing is pretty pretty cool yeah i think from probably for most golf fans that's they would agree that that's that's they they are supportive of that yes seeing more of the top players more often it's hard to argue against mm-hmm. i happen to like seeing the younger sort of emerging players do well and maybe this limits their opportunities but we still have a full pj tour season so there's plenty of other events you're yeah. still going to have the john deere for seven million and you know you're still going to have the events in the swing season and you know there'll be plenty of opportunities for those guys to elevate themselves to the top 20. I do worry that those. I mean, there are there are a lot of events that we did not list 
that are considered marquee events. And if I'm reading that correctly, if they have to play in all those events that I mentioned, and then they, they, they get to pick three more FedEx, FedEx Cup events. So outside of those marquee events, which ones are they going to pick? And I think I think if we if we took some time, we could figure it out pretty pretty quickly because there was like there wasn't the waste management open listed, um, there wasn't. Well, and I think that maybe the tour was wise to keep a few of those events separate from the elevated status if they already had a lot of the elements to them that the tour is trying to gain by giving it that elevated status. Like waste management gets good players. Yeah. It gets massive crowds and it does really well for television. So like, I don't know that you want to mess too much with that event really. Like it just kind of let that continue. You know, it's probably a cash cow for the PGA tour that week. So, and then there's probably another couple that were, not thinking of, but there's still going to be great events that are not on that elevated status. I mean, the Florida swing, yeah. So you got a couple of events, it's just going to be swing. API, but you still have Honda. Yeah. You still have uh copperhead, the Sam Burns invitational. So there's still plenty of, I didn't see colonial you know, colonials name wasn't on that list. Colonial is colonials a great, yeah. The Texas events. Did they not? Do we still get to play TPC Craig Ranch every year? Because that's really important to me. Uh, I don't know if if they're gonna if they're gonna give Craig Ranch another chance or not. I just like to see all the vitriol on Twitter that week. Everybody complaining that they're in the low twenties under par. Heaven forbid. <laughs> Which is suddenly not a problem at the end of the season when we're doing the same thing. Nope. All right. Well, that's that. I think that pretty much. Shuts the door for now on on that discussion, right? Do you want to move on to the? Yeah, we will keep you updated on those. I guess we, I guess we set all that. We set all those events, and we didn't even think about the four extra that they're adding here in the next forty five days. So I'd almost. So we'll, I'm curious to see what those events will be. We will update you though. Yeah, maybe we're wrong. Maybe waste management does go on there. Yeah. All right, lots to get to. We're going to talk about the BMW Championship, Corn Ferry Tour, and the Women's Senior Game Championship coming to Bayview. But let's start with a recap of the U.S. Amateur. I know you were glued to your TV over the weekend. Sam Bennett wins the U.S. Amateur. I also heard he was – he's an interesting watch on television. Is that true? It it was something, Peter. It was something. I I had flashbacks of uh, Brian Stewart. He was getting – Sam Bennett, for being what I'm going to guess is probably 21 years old, was getting made fun of probably a lot more than the 21-year-old who's just trying to play golf should be getting made fun of online. It was not good. I took videos. I took one video in particular, and this was on like Thursday or Friday. The first day it was on TV, the very first shot I watched, I go, whoa. The very second shot I watched, I said, whoa, whoa. And then the third one I had to video, it was 33 seconds long of him and I missed that he was over the ball over the ball and I missed two waggles in the beginning he would he would look up waggle look up waggle look up waggle and I swear it was 18 times he would look up and waggle it was it was not <laughs> it was not good yeah shades of Brian Stewart shades of uh, Patrick Cantley yeah it was I'll I, tell you what it doesn't surprise me hearing that 
knowing he was the eventual champion because that's very difficult to play against. Yeah, the his uh his semifinal match. So I guess for people, Sam Bennett is from uh, Texas A and M. Uh, he was playing Ben Carr, who is from Georgia Southern, uh, in the championship match. In the semifinal match, he was playing against uh, Malnati, I believe was his name. I don't, I can't remember his first name. He was uh, North Carolina, really good player from North Carolina in the semis against Sam Bennett. And Malnati would get up and just hit the ball. He was about as fast as you could have an amateur player play golf. And he was playing against who I would think would be the slowest amateur golfer in that field it was polar opposites it was it was tough to watch. I mean it made me think of the Brian Stewart when I swear Brooks Kepka's ball was in the air before Brian Stewart's ball stopped rolling in that video it was it was it was like watching that all day it was um so do you think that played a factor I think it, I think it definitely could have I think if you I mean it in a, in a, was there a lot of negative body language from his playing competitors? Did they capture any of that on the television broadcast? Because it can be very, it's hard not to be, you know, shit, you know, talking about Brooks Kepka and Brian Stewart. We know Brooks, you know, if the camera caught him at the right time, you'd be able to see his frustration. Uh, I didn't notice anything in the semifinal match. I did notice in the finals match that Ben Carr would essentially be off the tee box before Sam Bennett would finish his golf swing. And Sam Bennett, to even add to it, he had the wildest club twirl. Yeah, like the, I like heard the, about the, the club tiger, twirl. The Tiger Woods club twirl, like the famous one where he puts his arms out to the his left and yeah. spins it. Sam Bennett did that every single shot that he did a good one. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, was, it was a lot. And then on – I'm just going to keep going. I think it was on Wednesday, Wednesday or Thursday, whenever the first day of match play was when he – the 36-hole day – which would have been the round of 64 and 32, I believe. He, maybe just the round of, maybe around the 32 and 16. Anyways, he said in, in, in his interview after the match, after he won, that he's the dog in the fight. There's a lot of good players, but he's the dog. He said I heard he's, that, too. He's, he's the yeah. no, number three ranked player in the entire universe as an amateur. I don't know. I'd like to hear that from somebody that maybe isn't like a top, a top three ranked golfer in the entire world. That that uh, just doesn't doesn't really fit the fit his past accomplishments. Um. So was he saying is he actually ranked there or is no, he, he is. just no? He's number number three ranked golfer in the number three ranked amateur yeah. amateur in the world. I think he was trying to say I, I sh- I'm the favorite, but like he didn't do a good job. Yeah, and there is like. The kids these days do like they call themselves like they got. I don't know if you've seen that. There's that picture of like where essentially it's an X-ray of somebody's body and there's like a dog where the heart is. You got like the heart of a dog. So it's like being gritty, I guess, is more probably what he was looking for. Um. One anyway, people were people just love this guy. (laughs) Really, he really uh, turned people on over the weekend. So he had he had he had a saving grace. Uh, I shouldn't say that because that's that's a bad way of putting it. But in the finals, Ben Carr and Sam Bennett had both lost their dads in the last year, so it was a very—I mean, it was a very cool. Uh, Sam Bennett's dad died um, early, set Alzheimer's, and then Ben Carr, I believe, his dad was uh, pancreatic cancer. Both huge part, huge parts of his life. So it was it was cool in the finals. Uh, going into the the latter eighteen, Ben Carr was down by five. He got it to two going into the back nine of the last 18. 
And then he had what I would consider had to be the biggest mental mistake in the history of USGA championships, all of them combined. It was a par five. I believe it was 13. He was down by two at this point. Sam Bennett went first on a par five, a three wood. He hits it out of bounds. Clearly out of bounds. I mean, it wasn't, I guess it wasn't clearly. It was on, it was on the line, but from the TV, you could tell it was out of bounds. Because he was the furthest one back, Sam Bennett hits again. Hits it okay. Hits it kind of like 20 yards away from the green. Ben Carr hits a three wood in the exact same spot Sam Bennett hit his first three wood out of bounds. He could have just hit a, a seven iron up to 100 yards, hit it on the green, and got it to one so fast. It was it was a blunder of all blunders. I, I didn't know what he was doing because he – I'm pretty sure in the rules of golf, you could he could have walked his – he could have had Willie Wilcox walk his butt up there to the out of bounds and say, is that ball out of bounds? And then he – should completely change his thought process at that point. So they end up tying the hole when he should have easily. Have Wait, won. so Willie Wilcox was on his bag. Willie Wilcox was on Ben Carr's bag. Oh man. Bummer. I wish I would have watched that. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I guess, I guess Ben Carr put out a tweet like a month ago and said that he needs a caddy for, uh, the USAM and gave the dates in, in New Jersey. And Willie, Willie, I guess called him and said, take that down. I want to be your caddy. I guess they know each other from playing at some place in Georgia. Yeah, that's cool. So outside of that, uh, it was an awesome, I mean, an, an absolutely awesome championship. It made it all the way to uh, 18. Ben Carr was one down going at 18, had a really good drive, had a a good chance of of getting to extra holes, hit it, hit it his second shot out of par five into the left bunker and just wasn't able to get uh, – wasn't able to get up and down for four, so they both made fives. And uh, and Sam Bennett is your uh, USCM champion. But I mean, well deserved. He he went through an absolute gauntlet of a of a match play. I think he played three or four guys in his six matches. Is that what it be? That were inside the top fifteen in the world amateur rankings. So played some really good golf. He's got a weird. Very homegrown golf swing. But yeah, I've heard some comments about his golf swing too. He kind of pulls it back inside and then comes steeper at it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go. Let's quickly touch on. We don't have a lot in the local looks. There's not a ton going on, but we do have the women's senior game championship coming up at Petoskey Baby Country Club. That's this weekend. Yeah, uh, this week, Monday. Well, next week rather, Monday and Tuesday of next week. Got it Monday and Tuesday of next week. Um, you want to mention some of the notables in the field, Hunter, and then I would love for you to tell these ladies sort of what they can expect from the golf course because it is a little, maybe a little bit different than what they've seen in the past. Yeah, so I'll just give you, I'll give you uh, a few names that are members at Bayview that are playing in the event, uh, ladies and good players from Bayview. So Betsy Carlin, a Bayview member, Trish Garber, obviously a Bayview member. She is playing, uh, Rachel Swiss, who just cracked captured her, her second, uh, second ever women's club championship is also playing. Uh, and she's playing some, some very good golf right now. So I expect good things out of Rachel. Uh, Kim, no Bayview member is also playing. And then, um, Maureen Whitehead, 
who I was actually looking at the, I was in the clubhouse a couple days ago. I was looking at the club championship, women's club championship board. She has won the club championship so many times it would make your head spin. It's like, yeah, it's like 18 yeah. times. She's a horse. I think she's yeah. won. We had this number at one point. It was like, she's won like 67 club championships in her lifetime. Which Pretty is, amazing. How many have you won? Zero. Yeah. <laughs> zero. I've won one. I've won one by age 35 or however old I am. I stopped counting. Okay. Well, I and the golf course I noticed, because I did have a chance to play the beautifully world-renowned Petoskey Baby Country Club uh, when I was home last week. And under the direction of your new superintendent, I noticed some different pin positions, which was interesting. And I noticed that the rough is up a little bit. Um, so the golf course... I don't know if he's doing that to get ready for the senior game championship, but I thought it played a little tougher in particular around the greens, getting it up and down and uh, fairways were a little more important than maybe they have in the past or particularly on the back nine. You felt like you could kind of spray it around baby, but you can get some gnarly lies now. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And it's, it's very funny to hear the, the different, the differing opinions on the rough at Bayview. If you are a better player, I like, we are all, head over heels in love with the rough like that's what makes we are protecting our golf course i think it it makes you just mentioned it but it makes there is there is a such a premium on hitting the fairway now especially on the par fives before i swear you could on 11 and 12 perfect examples if you were in the rough you would almost i would almost rather be in the rough coming in on that second shot because you could get a little bit more air on the ball now you are you are not in a good spot if you are in the rough more times than not coming into the green because of how firm the greens have been for the last couple of years, which I'm okay with. I really believe that if you are in the fairway, you can get the ball to stop. If you are in the rough these days, you are not going to get the ball to stop. And like Peter just said, you roll you roll anywhere within five feet of the, of the green right now. You're in this very wispy, matty, heavy rough that is just very tough to gauge how it how it comes out. And when the greens are so small, you're going to be short-sided, even if you're not trying to be, more times than not, just based off of the size of the greens. Yeah, yeah, there's some tricky some tricky short game shots that you have to play if you're missing greens out there. So certainly putting a premium more on the uh on the ball striking. So that'll be interesting to watch for the I mean, for the I, senior game championship. I really am blown away with how how good Jeremy um, has done this year. I mean, I think the course looks, it looks about as full as it's ever looked in my eyes. Like as far as the grass is all the fairways at times would get a little bit, would get a little bit skinny. And I feel like they're really, the balls, they're full now. The ball's sitting well on them. It's, it's very playable if you are playing well. I think it's, it is, it benefits you if you're playing well and it, it will definitely, um, it'll take a little bit out you if you're not playing well. All right, should we talk about some of the guys whose lives changed over the weekend? Yeah, let's do it. So Will Gordon won the Albertsons Boise Open on the Corn Ferry Tour, the first leg of the Corn Ferry Tour finals, the playoffs. He clinched his, his card. So he will be back on the on the PGA Tour, of course. If you've been listening to this podcast from the beginning, you've heard Will Gordon's name a fair amount because I wasted plenty of money uh, betting on him 
two years ago on the uh, PGA Tour, which was fun. It was a great time. Bomber, uh, good player, another very methodical, slower player. I had a chance to watch him at the Glen Club earlier this season where he also played pretty well, but uh, he has been in really good form lately. He gets it done uh, Sunday at the Albertson Boise Open. Other guys who got through. So it's about it's like six guys, I think, who get through because it's a three-leg playoff. So I believe it's six guys. So I might be, I might yet be missing one more guy. So if you go to, that's I guess where I'm looking for you. So if you go to like the leaderboard, the Nationwide Children's Hospital Championship, this upcoming event leaderboard, I see like 12 guys that have a earned, the 25 earned PGA Tour card. Yeah, that's going to include the regular season earners. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. That's that would be my where my because uh, that makes sense. I see like Ben Ahn's name. Are they playing? Is this is this event at the what is that the Scarlet Course? Yeah, exactly right. The University Course there, which is a really good track. I've heard good things about it. Never played it though. Now Will Gordon uh, won in a playoff over MJ Duffy and Philip Nowell. So those are two other guys: Eric Barnes, Dean Burmester, Thomas Detry, Austin Cook, Scott Harrington, Taylor Montgomery. So those look like to be the guys. Safe to say, at the very least, Gordon Duffy, Knowles, Philip Knowles, who uh, all three of those guys were in the playoff. And then some combination of these guys that tied for fourth, which includes Detry, Cook, Harrington, Burmeester, and Eric Barnes. I'm not sure. I think Eric Barnes was already through, and maybe MJ Duffy too. So Gordon, Knowles, Burmeister, Detry, Cook, and Harrington, I think in Montgomery's in there too, Taylor Montgomery. But in any event, those guys are in a great position if they haven't clinched already to get back to the PGA Tour next season. Sorry, that was not the cleanest delivery that, that I have ever done. I was hoping for something a little bit better there, but... Are you still with me? I am still with you. I'm like, I'm, I have, I'm, I'm getting very close to having. Well, while Hunter's doing that, let's talk a little bit about the BMW Championship. I said two weeks ago, gosh darn it, I wish I would listen to myself when I did my Wilmington Country Club research that it looked like a Patrick Cantlay course. Gosh, was it ever? Big week for the Cantleys, better than Xander Crowd. Cantlay now in position to potentially win two FedEx Cups in a row. He will tee off this week at the Tour Championship at 8-under par, two strokes behind Scotty Scheffler, who deservedly remains atop the, uh, at the top of these standings. He tees off at 10-under par. I uh, had a good week last week. Zalatoris has withdrawn, so no one will tee off at 7-under. It's going to go 10-8-6. 6-under will be Xander. 5-under will be Burns. After that, we start getting the groups at four under Cam Smith, McElroy, Finau, Sepp Straka, and Sung J.M. at four under. At three under, John Rahm, Scott Stallings, J.T., Cam Young, Matt Fitzpatrick. At two under, Max Homa, Hideki, Spieth, Neiman, Hovland. At one under, Morikawa, Horschel, Hoagie, Connors, Harmon. At even par, KH Lee, J.T. Post, and Sahith Bigala, Adam Scott, Aaron Wise, Congratulations to Sahith, Sahith for getting into the uh, top 30 and the tour championship really had a great, had a great season. So that's how the results from the BMW championship kind of manifest themselves as we get ready for the tour championship. 
you know, granted we do this every year, but I think it's worth mentioning Hunter, if you've found those names, go ahead and get them. But we got to talk about just how goofy this format is. Uh, it is it is absolutely ridiculous <laughs> in every in every sense of the word. I mean, we play we play a full season of, of gross golf, which is probably how it should be on the PGA Tour. And then, you know what? Let's just do one event a year that's net. And make it the biggest event of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really, I, I don't, I can't make sense of it. I, I am, I am more, more than okay with having a somebody that may not be the season-ending yeah. points yeah. winner, not be the tour champion. I'm okay with that. Totally okay with that. That can happen. We can have, we could have two separate trophy presentations on the on the uh, on the 18th green. And I don't think anybody even bats an eye at that. No. Well, that's which is what we've done before and what we used to do. And much as it doesn't bother us as golf fans, apparently it bothers the tour. Because that's how we got to where we are today. So I agree with you. I think that's probably the simplest way of fixing this is just to stop worrying about that and go ahead with and, and let us watch sort of two leaderboards that they've almost made it more confusing. I have heard it argued that by the time you get to Saturday and Sunday, it looks like a regular tournament. That's when everybody tunes in anyway. And so it doesn't much matter. Like the, the goofiness of it doesn't matter to a mainstream fan. So in that sense, the tour kind of gets away with it. But the other option I'd love to see them consider here is to involve match play. It's kind of match play season. We would just watch the U.S. Women's Junior. We just watched the women's or the uh, the women's am the uh, U.S. Am match play is an important part of golf at every level, except the PGA Tour. You're going to do a tournament. Um, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing them look at something that's a little more. Uh, two days of qualifying uh, into a match play bracket where there's buys. You know, if you if you can earn anything for your season long performance, earn a buy in a match play tournament, so you only have to win two matches instead of three or whatever, and let all these guys four under and below duke it out for the last you know three or four spots in the match play tournament. You might get somebody from that group who's on a real heater that comes through and, and emerges as the, as the winner of this event. And maybe they don't want that. And that's the risk that you run with match play, but gosh, I don't know. I've long lobbied for the PGA championship to get match play into as part of their format. I think they've, you know, improve the PGA championship by moving it on the calendar. But this seems maybe even like the easier option for the tour to involve some match play. And I do think that that would, I don't know. I mean, if you do it right, I think you can still do well on TV on on Saturday and Sunday, even though match play is much more difficult to present for the networks. Yeah, I think you'd almost have to do a um, <clears throat> you'd have to do a third place match, and you'd almost get away with doing a fifth place match, just because with how much money's on the line for that final day. I just worry about that's always just tough on on Sunday or the last day of a match play when it's just two guys. Especially right. with with how with how poor the TV. I mean, I feel like that would just be so many commercials. 
So, and can you bring these guys straight from the BMW, the Midwest or the Northeast or whatever, bring them straight down and just make a, you know, make a straight down to East Lake and make a whole week out of it. You know I mean? Can we have a, I know I always, Hunter always laughs every time I talk about this, but you know, these guys are so good. I think there are other things that we would watch with them on the golf course as part of the, you know, the season finale week, if you will, on the PGA tour, where they could do some special programming on the evenings and golf channel leading up to a Wednesday or a Thursday start. If match play were involved to sort of make up any losses that you might experience having to do a match play presentation on Sunday by getting more valuable. I mean, why not a Wednesday night skills competition on, you know, NBC or something like that. I think there's opportunities there when you've got 30 of arguably the best players in the world in, in one place and a bunch of players that the, the public really cares about. This is when you can put a mic on these guys and, and experiment a little bit more with how you present the game of golf on television. Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, I don't really want to talk about because we're kind of running out of time, but uh, maybe next week we can talk about that once I have more details on that new Tiger and Rory venture. I don't know if you saw that, that stadium, they're going to try to take golf to um, no longer. You're not no longer playing golf just at go just at the golf course You play golf anywhere these days, according to Will or according to Rory and uh, Tiger stadiums, meaning like baseball and football stadiums. Correct. Yeah. I like I like the uh, I like the imagination. Yeah, yeah, so do I. I'd like to see some of that in, in sort of in you're in Atlanta too, so you certainly have access to the, you know some other. I don't know. It just seems like there's more opportunities there for the tour this week because it is kind of a dud. Yeah, it's I think the tour championship is kind of a dud. I mean, I was joking earlier this week, the season's over. This should be the week we take off from the podcast because this really is kind of a glorified exhibition. It feels like that. Oh, this feels know. most of all the events done with the PGA Tour. This one feels the most like a live event. It's gimmicky. It's lacking in field depth in the sense of just number of players, you know, it has some of those same characteristics that the live live tour has. It's truly a net event. I cannot get over like how ridiculous that is. <laughs> and, and he earned through his year long performance and the highest earnings ever in a single year, Scheffler earns himself a half a stroke around. That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem to make much sense. Hmm. Oh, I just got a text that Liv signed Anthony Kim. To do what? Play golf? Play golf? Come on. Can that be? No. Can you hit hit your Google machine there? Yeah. And then quickly, I will touch on betting the tour championship. Okay. Oh, my God. You're no, you're such an idiot. You got faked out by the fake P- <laughs> Whoever sent Did you I get that, faked out? Whoever sent you that is is a real weasel because <laughs> it was from the PGA the PGA Tour, which is T U O R. Oh, I love that account. Breaking good. So they're just not good. They're just four year deal SMB worth sixty five million. <laughs> In a statement, he said, "I've just been waiting for the right opportunity to pursue golf again. The timing was perfect." It's <laughs> funny. I got got. All right, so there's two markets this week. 
Yeah, obviously this event is impossible to gamble on. Basically, you're looking at three co-favorites as seven and a half to one without starting strokes. So we did we hit a winner here last year. It was a dead heat reduction because Rom and Kevin Na tied for the four day low total, which is how you bet the winner without starting strokes. Like if you're in DraftKings, you'll see tournament winner and winner. Tournament winner is the FedEx Cup. Winner is just who shoots the low four-day total. That's slightly the better market this week for value, though. If you like a guy five under or better, and you can get better odds on him to win the tournament than without starting strokes, maybe you consider that. So that's like that's just Burns, Xander, basically Burns, I think, because Xander, I. I think all three of the top guys, Xander Cantlay and Scheffler, have shorter odds winning the tournament than they do winning the four-day total. So, like, if you like Xander, which a lot of people do, he has a good record here. It's one here, obviously playing really well. You can get him at seven fifty plus seven fifty to beat the other twenty-nine guys in a four-day total. Um. And then there's some, you know, some halfway decent odds on top tens. I mean, there's Hideki is a guy that really stands out this week. He's 60 to one without to win without starting strokes. He's plus 225 to top 10. I don't really get that. Maybe there's reasons beyond that, but there's values on him and on Cam Smith, maybe in part because people are forecasting they're going to depart to live and they're here to collect a check or worse. They're going to go out there, hit, play two holes and quit. So they can get their money, which I think they get paid even if they didn't play. But Hideki and Cam Smith kind of stand out as possible values. And then I'm probably going to keep riding Neiman. And he hit another top 20 for me last week. If he can finish in the top third of this field, I think he's like plus 150-ish to top 10. Um, A guy that's just playing really well and continues to kind of stay under the radar of the books a little bit. He's a little undervalued, I think. Um, So I might just keep riding that horse, but it's definitely a week to be light. You know, our opportunities have mostly passed us by to bet on golf. We'll have to wait a couple weeks here before the full fields come back. But uh, that's kind of the, what you're faced with. If you're betting a tournament winner, you you know, you're betting Scottish Scheffler at plus 250. I don't know anybody that's going to bet that even with a two stroke lead. Yeah, that would be a that would be an absolutely insane bet. <laughs> I I can't imagine. I can't imagine that's getting a ton of clicks. And I don't think Scheffler really if you look at the numbers, he didn't play that well that last week. I know he scored really well, which is what golf's all about, but I wouldn't be shocked if like he didn't play great this week. I don't think he's at the top of his game right now. And I think Xander is, I think Cantlay you know, has, has hit his stride. So there's going to be some pressure on that 10 under lead right out of the gates, probably on Thursday. Hard not to like, hard not to pick between kind of those three. Exactly. I mean, I like Burns as much as anybody, but like these guys at six back. I mean, are are there, I know it's four days, but like maybe Cam Smith as a tournament winner, maybe Rory. Finau doesn't really play this course great, but I think after four under and below, you're just looking at the, you're just looking at four day totals. I think. Is there anybody at the, 
in those bottom in the bottom like 15 spots that you would bet in uh just the no the no stroke side of things you hold much weight i feel like if they're not winning the golf tournament the way that the pj tour has constructed this net event they're not gonna you know you see what i'm saying like if it comes down to if they're down by <clears throat> four going into like the second to last hole i don't think i mean they're gonna try to play well but i don't think it's like they know they're not going to win the event you still hold enough weight in that no stroke side of things to bet something like that yeah i do i don't think that's a huge factor unless you get that unique set of circumstances or there i don't i think anybody's really i mean look at these payouts hunter it's not just 18 million for first you get a million dollars for 10th place this week yeah so like if you still have there's a guy in front of you that you can pass and i know the scoring will be a little more spread out this week than the average week um there's still something to play for all the way through to the end, even if it's not the first place prize. So, I mean, yeah, like I, I guess more cow is teeing off at one under par. Can I see him shooting the four day low total in this field? For sure. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Corey Connors. So teeing off at one under par played well last I can see him shooting the low four day total. I just think it's hard to match the number. I mentioned Neiman, like Hovland, maybe another guy to consider. He probably got a nice, decent number on him. He played well on Sunday, even though he struggled for much of the week at the BMW. Um, and then if you want to eat a shorter number, it appears that Ram has turned his, his form around and obviously played well on this golf course last year, shooting the four low four-day total along with Kevin Na. So uh, those are maybe some of the names that I would I – would, uh, consider and then i mentioned i mentioned neiman and hideki already both of those guys are teeing off at two under so i think it's just a question of like if you get hot you can make quite a few birdies at east lake like you can shoot a four-day low total here just because you're playing well even if you're not uh contending for the 18 mil mm-hmm. i hear you all right good luck this week it's been a fun season um, will we take next week? I guess we don't know if we'll have a pod next week or, or, or not. Um, maybe some stories to sort of wrap up and then we'll take the week after that off, but, uh, it won't be long before we're starting up the next tour season. Yeah, I could see. Let's maybe do a Wednesday episode next week. We can talk about the women's championship and then maybe take the next week off after that. Cause there's a couple weeks of break here, isn't there? Yeah. And I want to talk about corn Ferry tour finals next yes. week too. So that's, yes, yes, yes. All right, thanks, guys. Yep, talk to you. All right, I was able to come up with an official tally here. The guys who got through the Albertsons Boise Open to earn enough points, Corn Ferry Tour points, to get a PGA Tour card for next year. The only guys who are technically through are Will Gordon, who emerged from that playoff, playoff and Philip Niles, the other guy in that playoff, at playoff, MJ Duffy, already had earned his tour card by the regular season. So of these six players who finished in a six-way tie for fourth, uh, Eric Barnes and Taylor Montgomery were already through regular season. So we're looking at Scott Harrington, Austin Cook, Thomas Detry, and Dean Burmeester. Not mathematically through, however, they're in pretty good shape. Good luck to all those guys competing these next two weeks looking to get a PGA Tour card. And thank you for joining us this week on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and of course on Radio 104.7 FM, 1340 AM, The Ticket, up north, 93.7 FM, The Ticket, in Traverse City and Cadillac.